Welcome to City on a Hill's podcast. This week's podcast can be downloaded on iTunes or our media library at chccny.com. All right, uh, ushers, we can get the baskets ready. Okay, let me start here. In my pocket, I have, I have, I have ten dimes. Okay, ten dimes equals what? A dot. Wow, you're good at math. Wow, this is a sharp crowd. All right. What does God tell us? God says, all right, you give me one, you get to keep nine, right? Is everybody with me? No, no, you didn't get it yet. You didn't get it, okay? I have 10 raisins. I have 10 raisins, okay? God says, you give me one, right? You get to keep the other nine. No, 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 no. You didn't, you didn't, still didn't get it yet. You still didn't get it. I have 10 grapes. I have 10 grapes. Anybody hungry now? Right? We always have gluten-rich food. Right? I have healthy food today. God says, you give me one grape, you get to keep the other nine. You following this so far? Still not done though. Gosh. I have 10 cranberries. It is Thanksgiving this week. Right? Anybody like the cranberry sauce? You're into that, right? God's word says, you give me one. God says, hey, listen, you take the other nine. You get to live on the other nine. Let me just throw this in here. If you can't live on the 90%, you can't live on the 100%. But I'm not done yet. I have 10 pistachios. God says, before you crack open any of those nuts, right? I know some of you looking at, ooh, you like pistachios. God says, you give me one, you keep nine. Still not done. I still see your faces. I don't know if everybody really gets this yet. I have 10 oranges. 10 oranges, right? All right. Ooh, ooh, got a couple of extra claps for that. God says, you give me one orange. You get to keep the other nine. You know what the problem is for many of us? I think we give God on the back end of our bills. The back end. And for many of us in here, you know what we do? I'm still not done. I got some apples too. Some apples. So God says, you give me one. You give me one apple and you get to keep all the other nine. But what happens with our lives is... We want to keep everything, right? And what happens is when we keep everything, everything kind of gets flat. You ever notice that in your life? When you keep everything, everything's kind of flat. But when we actually decide to give, there's a little air that is put inside of our lives and something begins to change in our lives. Yep, God says, you keep the nine. And then last but not least, I have 10 grapefruit, 10 grapefruit. God says, you give me one of them. Just one. You get to keep all the other nine, right? You keep the other nine. You live off those nine. Friends, let's see if we can make it work. Okay? All right. Well, I'm giving this away after the meeting. We're giving away cake, all the bagels, right? We're giving away fruit today. Before the holidays, you're getting fruit. Do I need to say, listen, come on. God has blessed us with so much. It's all His. He doesn't need your money. He doesn't say, oh, I need your money so bad. God can provide, but it's what He wants to do in our hearts. And all He's asking for is 10%. 10%. 
10% is the start. It's the starting line. It's not the finish line, but it's about our hearts. And there's so much controversy and people want to debate all the time about tithing and where it is in the New Testament. Let me tell you something. It's about a heart attitude. God is looking for people that have a heart that want to serve and that want to give. Before you put into that basket today, oh, we're not a church that always talks about money. I don't think we are. But scripture is pretty clear. And I would challenge us this morning. What is God saying to you in terms of your finances? Stop giving on the back end. How about we start giving him some of our first fruits? You can pass those baskets around. Hey, babe, my check's in, the, in my Bible over there, please. What do I do with all this now? I'm just going to leave it up here. If you, I'm serious. If you want the fruit, I mean, take, you know, I'm not going to take this all home with me. So I want to share. The Bible is pretty clear about that. We'll leave that right there. All right, children and teachers, without any further ado, you can make your way to Kidmo. Did I, I kept you awake today for the tithe and yeah, for the tithe and offering. You at least stayed awake. That's good. That's good. Happy about that. Mayor, you can pull up my PowerPoint, please. Well, since it is Thanksgiving week, we have a Thanksgiving themed message. Uh, if you remember, two weeks ago, I know Pastor Tom had started a series um, on Timothy in, in the New Testament. We ended a series two weeks prior in the book of Daniel. This is a standalone message. I just felt like this is where God was basically taking me uh, the last two weeks in, uh, in preparation. The title of the message is, I Quit. Look at the person next to you and just say, I quit. You're saying, I quit. You don't even know what you're quitting, though. That was a test. You didn't know. You have no idea what I'm going to be talking about today. But again, it is kind of a thanksgiving theme message. Can I start with some words from the Apostle Paul in the New Testament? In the book of Philippians, in chapter 2, this is what Paul says. Paul says, do everything without grumbling or arguing. Right away, you kind of have my thesis. Just in this one verse, you should have an idea already where I'm taking this whole message. Let me ask you, do you think Paul was kind of, was he really serious when he wrote these words? Is he really serious? The one word that stands out to me, everything. Do everything without grumbling or arguing? Everything? Come on, really? Paul, are you serious? You're just pulling our leg? You're just saying that it sounds good when you wrote it, right? You're in a prison and you're writing this. Yeah, that sounds good. I'm hoping people will do that. Is that what he's thinking? How about we did an experiment this week? Here's my Whole Foods bag, by the way. That's where I shop. That's a little advertisement, a little commercial for them. Uh, what if we got up tomorrow and said, we're going to have an experiment and we are not going to grumble for a full day. All right. So when the alarm clock goes off tomorrow morning, right? If you don't have an alarm clock, I have a six year old alarm clock that will get you up at 322 in the morning. That's what time I got up this morning. My six year old alarm clock. It's a human alarm clock. Um, if you, the alarm clock, when you get up and see the alarm clock, no grumbling. When you get out of bed and you go in the bathroom and you look in the mirror, right? No, no matter what you look like, no grumbling. When you step on that scale, right? You step on this, whatever the number says, you do not grumble. When you look in your closet, you shower and you look in your closet, 
No grumbling. No complaining about the amount of clothes that you have. When you go downstairs or wherever, if you're on the first floor and you go get something to eat and you're getting breakfast, no grumbling about what you're eating. When you're going to work and you're in your car and you're looking at the car, I don't care how old your car is, I don't care what your car looks like, no grumbling. When you get to the office, no grumbling. When you get to school, no grumbling. When you get back home and you want to sit on the couch and watch TV and you lost the remote control, you don't know where the remote control is and you have to get up like people did in the 1950s and you actually have to manually press the TV. The kids probably lost the remote control. No grumbling. Can we do it? Do you think you can actually do that? Can you go a 24-hour day without grumbling? Come on. We are the, we are the kings and queens of grumbling. We live in Grumbleville. We all complain, right? Come on. Think about the world that you live in. I was thinking about it this week and I heard some of this from a comedian. He's kind of... A, he, can be vulgar at times, but I used a clip of this in my sociology classes. And the guy was talking about when he was younger, he says, remember rotary phones? How many of you remember those? I I remember when I was very young, before we had push button phones, which the the rotary phone, like you hated when there was a person that had a nut, like the nine, you had to go all the way around or the eight or the zero. You remember those days, right? Come on. Well, they became obsolete like in the 1980s. Really interesting. And and now we have these phones. And what do we complain about all the time? Oh my gosh, I'm getting spotty cell coverage right here. You're going to space. Come on, you're going to space and it's coming back down. Give it a few seconds. Are you kidding me? Well, I wasn't here last week and I was in Tampa with some of us. We make our, our trip down to Tampa, Florida every, uh, every fall. We watch a, you know, a Bucks game, a football game. So we're, down there, and I tripped down there. I could he'd die laughing if I told you the whole story. The guy I sat next to, and he's just to give you a little bit. The guy's got like he can't fly. He's got so much anxiety, and he's got like twelve of these uh, Jack Daniels bottles in his bag, and he has no idea I'm a pastor. And I always tell you, right? If I want, you want the long conversation, I tell you I'm a teacher. Short conversation, pastor. I was just thankful that the guy didn't ask me what I did. Right, the whole time. The guy's like, hey, you want some? And I'm like, nah, I think I'll pass on the Jack Daniels. I think I'm good right now. But on the way home, we're on Southwest, and how many of you know you're in a cattle car? How many of you have been in the cattle car? Moo, right? They're like A1, A30, and people, and they rush into the airplane, right? You try to find your seat. Why can't they just give you an assigned seat? Please do. Yeah, I'm glad you're, we're all in agreement on that, right? So we get on the plane to come home from Tampa. It's last Sunday night, and there we are, and we're supposed to have Wi-Fi on the plane, Right? We're watching football as we go home. Our fantasy seasons are in the balance, right? We're so concerned about fantasy football. The Wi-Fi doesn't work on the plane. How are we supposed to live our lives for three hours on the plane going back home? Are you with me? Three hours of my life, I'm supposed to sit there. Now, I have my Kindle, but come on. Think about the things we complain about all the time. We complain, oh, your flight was delayed 30 minutes. Oh, that's, oh, that's, you were on the tarmac for 40, you really waited 40 minutes for your plane to go? How about the fact that you flew like a bird 3,000 miles and you went from Long Island to Florida and Florida and back in two days? How about these people? Let me, let me, let me introduce you. This is the, this is the Raynard family. This is the Raynard family. Um, they were traveling on the Oregon Trail in the 1850s and they traveled 3,000 miles and it only took them 
Six months. Yeah, yeah, six months to travel the same distance a little over 150 years ago. A couple of them are going to die probably on the way. It's going to be wonderful. But here we are, right, in American society, and all we do is complain. All we do is grumble. Can we talk about grumbling this morning? Can we do that? Is that okay? You with me on that? All right. So what actually is grumbling? Let's talk about it. Grumbling, let me say, what, first of all, what it's not. It does not mean that we never confront or admonish people. That's not what I'm saying here this morning. So I have to eradicate certain things. That's not what I'm saying. There are times when we are supposed to confront people. We are supposed to admonish people. That is biblical. And things are supposed to be done out of love. But I would say to us, grumbling is the reflection of a spirit of ingratitude. Come on. It's the reflection of a spirit of ingratitude. Aren't you glad you came this morning? Aren't you glad this is the message? Are you going to grumble in your seats right now at me? Well, grumbling chokes, chokes us off from our hearts. It cuts us off from joy. The joy that we are supposed to be living with. And grumbling can be absolutely toxic. One scholar, you know what one scholar said in researching just the whole topic during the week? He said, grumbling is like building dungeons in the air. Love that. Thought that was really good. Look what the Apostle Paul says in, in Romans. He says in 121, he says, For although they knew God, in the, before this he says, they exchanged the truth for a lie. They worshipped the creation rather than the creator. And then he goes on, For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God, nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. And I would say any time we as a people, our hearts will get darkened, if we live with ingratitude, if we become a people that we're walking around and we're constantly grumbling, did you, well, I'll ask you, you take a guess, you could say it to the person next to you, what is the number one topic in churches across the country that people complain about? Go ahead, I'll give you a second. Take a guess to the person next to you, what do you think? The number one topic, it's not sermons, let me tell you, it's not sermons. So get rid of that one. What do you think? Go ahead, say it to the person next to you, what do you think? Somebody want to raise, what, we have somebody over here that would like to, we have a child over here that would like to answer this. My lovely niece, Michaela, right? You're supposed to give a hand for her when I say that, thank you. You don't even know what she's going to say. All right, Michaela, what, what do you think it is? Tithing. That was a great guess, honey. That was a really, really, really good guess. And Uncle Jimmy is so proud of you that you, you said, I'm going to be brave and courageous enough to raise my hand. But that would not be the right answer. Somebody else would like to guess. After I said that, would somebody else like to guess? Come on. Come, really? Why is the preacher asking? Yeah, yeah, let's make this a little interactive. Go ahead. People are not engaged enough. That is a problem. That, not in here, but that is a problem in some churches. The weather? Too long. All complaints. No. I thought we would get this on the first try. Yes. No. Come on. How about music? I didn't hear you say it. Music. I was hoping that, Mika you said it, I was hoping that Michaela's father, who was part of the worship team, would have gotten that question right. Yes, yes, music. Isn't that kind of, isn't that interesting how ironic that is? That we are supposed to be, you, what, what do you want me to go back, to, you want me to show you this? Music is the number, I'll tell you. Here's, here's, here's how, okay. First of all, I think it's kind of interesting that redeemed people, we come to church and the number one thing we complain about in church is the style of the music 
that we use. And here we are in worshiping and, you know, giving adoration and extolling God. And here, you're looking at me, some of you looking at me like you've never complained before about the music. We have different, we have different musical tastes in here, the different genres. Big band, we have rap, we have, you know, reggae, you know, Pastor Joe loves Justin Bieber. You have all different types of music that people like, right? Are you with me? Right? So there's all different musical tastes in this room. Now, even outside of this room, there are different musical tastes. People that are far from God, many of them like country music. We don't, I still don't understand that. I don't really get that. But there are all different types of musical taste. And we sit here sometimes, you're lying to yourself if you've never sat here and like, why don't we have more of these types of songs? Why don't we have more of those types of songs? And I would say to us, it's not about the style. It's not about the style of music. It's about what kind of people are we actually producing and becoming in this place. That is more important than the kind of music. That is more important than the things that we can grumble and complain about. There is something bigger at stake, and it's our lives. It's our hearts. And you know what? There are two ways that we can do this. So you say, all right, how do I quit complaining? I quit. I want to walk out of here, and I want to be a quitter. A good quitter, a quitter. I know the connotation is, has a negative one, but how about we can do it one way? We can change our external world, right? You can change your external world. What do I mean by that? You can change your external world, say that you're not married. You find somebody to get married to. You are married. You find, you know, you, you look at your spouse and you make sure that you can't have any gripes, that you fix all of the problems that you would have with your spouse, right? So you make her absolutely perfect. When it comes to your job, you have to find a job where you have a boss that says, hey, what hours do you want to work and how much money do you want to make, right? That's the kind of job that you have to get. You have to make sure your dates are all cute. You have to make sure that you get straight A's. You have to make sure that your family's all in therapy. These are the things that we have to focus on, right? Come on. So you can change your external world, but that's not really what the the gospel's all about. The gospel is about changing our internal world. Lord, how can I live in this day, in this moment? How can I live in this hour? How can this day be manna from you? Lord, how can you transform me from the inside out? And we said it, we say it all the time. It's something that has been said. It's a foundational truth of the gospel and it's foundational in this church. Pastor Linda has talked about it time and time again since I was a young kid, right? It's the overcoming life. It's the, it, it's, it's, there's another life that lives inside of you. And that life wants to live in and through you. And as Pastor Linda always said to me, happiness is an inside job. And we, we live in a world that looks and says, find it in all these external things. If you get this, if you get money, if you get the spouse, if you get the right job, then you'll ultimately be happy and you'll have nothing to ever complain about. What a disservice the world has done to Christianity. Because that has been pervasive and that has seeped its way into the church. It's seeped its way into every church. It's everywhere that we look. And I think many people believe that. And I'm not talking this morning about we live in a world that has real pain. I'm not talking about trying to manufacture this with willpower that it's like kind of, it's, it's not authentic and it's syrupy that we walk around and we're not really in touch with our emotions. Right? You with me on that? Come on. This has to, with reality is, where the rubber meets the road is, there is joy and there is sorrow. There is suffering in this world. And a lot of the world and a lot of Christianity tells you just to embrace the joy. 
Come on, you come to church, right? Lie about how you feel. Tell each other everything's great when you walk in the door. You're in your small group meeting. Just lie and say everything's good. Kids could almost burn the house down, right? You could have almost, you know, attacked your spouse. But who cares? The world's great. Everything's good. That's why I love, I mean, we're watching, we're at home, and I, I said this maybe a couple weeks ago. Uh, Jameson is obsessed with the movie Inside Out. Obsessed with the movie. How many of you, right? Yeah, yeah, I have the characters at home, and I play with them as well. And uh, I love it, though, the main point of the movie, and, and Pastor Linda and I will be discussing this. We're doing it, at some point, we're doing a sermon on this down the road. I even kind of started last week. I didn't tell her. And I'm looking into all details. You know, they actually started, two psychologists were brought in. They actually started out with, you're like, I don't really care to hear this. No, you can hear it. They started out with 15 emotions, and then they narrowed it down to, to, uh, to five. They wanted to add pride as a sixth, and I'm hoping there's like a sequel. But the point of why I'm bringing that up is because the, whole, the main part of the story, the main point of the whole story is, is joy is constantly trying to tell sadness, come on, no, 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 no. And at the end, she realizes how important sadness is to the life of this young child. And I would say to us in here this morning, I'm not giving you a message that is saying that pain and hardship and arduous situations are not real. No, they are real. They are real. They are indeed real. And we understand that. But there are two key words. And I got this really in my study of Daniel. And I came across this. There are two key words I want to leave you with. This was like revolutionary for me. And I hope you get something out of it. The commentator's name is Tremper Longman. I don't, I never heard the name Tremper before. I don't really know where that's from. I thought it was kind of a cool name though. And he talks about how there are two words that both begin with G. And that's going to be the focus really of, of the rest of the sermon. And the first one is groan. Groan. And I think if you look back, if you look at the history of the people of Israel, you see this word pop up. And we're going to look very briefly at a story that is, you know, famous. And many of you probably know it. If you don't, I hope it means something to you by the time that you leave. Look what it says here in Exodus 2.23. And you, if you don't know, we, we're talking about the children of Israel, right? They are in bondage to the Egyptians. And they're there for hundreds of years. And they're enslaved. Right? And what, is, what do we have here? Now it happened in the process of time that the king of Egypt died. Then the children of Israel groaned because of the bondage. And they cried out. And their cry came up to God because of the bondage. So here they are, the children of Israel. They're there. They're in bondage. They're enslaved. And they're looking. They're, gr- they're not grumbling. They're not complaining to God. They're groaning out for deliverance. To be emancipated here. And then you see this here, and God hears their cry. You go down to exit, moving down, Exodus 6, 5. And I have also heard the groaning. God has also heard the groaning of the children of Israel, whom the Egyptians keep in bondage. And I have remembered my covenant. You see, God saw, God knew that he made a covenant with the children of Israel. And this is, I mean, listen, this is all over the Bible. How many of you know the book Lamentations? A book that we don't really... We don't really talk a lot about. Have you ever been to a wedding and they said, the reading, for t- the reading at the wedding is going to be from Lamentations chapter 2. You will never see a reading from the book of Lamentations. But I love this verse in the book of Lamentations. It says this. It says in 319, Pour out your heart like water in the presence of the Lord. Pour out your heart like water. Do you see already? We're talking about groaning. Is pouring out the pain and the anguish that is inside of us. 
We're a people that sin. We fall short of the glory of God. It's being a people that realize that we are broken and that we are flawed and pouring our hearts out and groaning and longing. You see, the children of Israel, they would get on their knees and they would groan to God. Many of the children of Israel, though, later on, when they'd get in their tents when they were away, when they were in isolation, and they would complain about God. They would complain about God behind his back. They would complain about the situation that they were in. And now here's the second word, as you know, it's grumbling. So we have groaning on one side, and then on the other side, we have grumbling. Look what the Apostle Paul says in, in 1 Corinthians 10.10. Uh, 10. Oh, I should tell you this, I'm sorry. So backing up one piece. And the people complained against Moses saying, what shall we drink? Just to give you, before we move on to that story later on, give you more detail. Um, if you remember... They were emancipated, right? They're freed. And what happens? There they are wandering in in the wilderness. They're hoping to go into the promised land. It's going to take them 40 years. And they're complaining right away. They've just been freed. And what are they complaining about? There's nothing to drink. God performs a miracle, right? The sweet water. They get this sweet water. You would think they'd be satisfied. But over and over and over again, they are going to grumble about things that are taking place. And they're going to be wondering, God, where are you? So Paul says this now, moving around. Paul says this, And do not grumble as some of them did and were killed by the destroying angel. Paul is referencing what was going on with the children of Israel as they're wandering in the wilderness. And they're grumbling time and time again and some of them were actually killed. And you would think, right? Hundreds of years you've been in bondage. You've been in bondage to the Egyptians. That's not a life. And you're finally liberated. You would think, that they would at that point go, oh my gosh, get on their knees and just go, we are so thankful. You see, that's not really the case. And we have to look at the difference between the two. And groaning is something we do to God. Grumbling is something we say about God. Did you get that? So groaning is something we do to God. We get on our knees or we pour out our hearts. Grumbling is something we say or about God when he's not there. We t- when we groan, we talk face to face and we tell him we're honest to God. We're honest about what's going on inside of our hearts. When we grumble, we don't. And maybe we look, you know, we look to other people and we talk about situations instead of looking up and groaning and pouring our hearts out about what's really going on. Again, I'm, you're probably, oh man, I'm really glad I, I came to church today. Well, I want to finish walking through the story of the children of Israel. And at the end, I want you to kind of do a little self-assessment of where you are in terms of this issue. And this is one of those topics, man, this is tough to preach because I can be a grumbler, right? I told you we live in Grumbleville. I'm the king of grumbling at times. Getting up today at 3.20, it was so funny. So I'm in the bed. Jameson called, Mommy, Daddy. And of course, Megan's passed out to the world, right? Of course. doesn't hear anything, but daddy hears, right? Daddy hears and knows somebody tell him that later on. So daddy hears and I go in the bed with him and there I am and I'm stewing. I went to bed late. I went to bed after 11 o'clock. I didn't get any sleep. I'm like, God, are you serious right now? I got to preach tomorrow. I got to, this This is crazy. And then the kid, like, I'm thinking he's going to go back to bed, right? The kid stays up. He doesn't go back to bed. And he's like, "Uh, uh, daddy? Like, because he knew. He just knew. And I'm like, what? What do you want? What could you possibly want at 3.30 in the morning? And crazy. And then I felt bad. I'm like, you're preaching on grumbling. You're preaching on complaining. Preach to yourself. Preach your boy. Right? Come on. How many of you know what I'm talking? So all week it's like the topic and I'd be like, come on, this is a joke. 
I'm really going to preach on this like time and time again. I'm, I'm listen. I'm the guy on the plane too last week. I'm complaining about the water. It's time and time again. We grumble. We grumble. We complain about stuff. I love what it says in getting back to the story, the real story, <clears throat> in Exodus. Then the whole congregation of, uh, of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. This is after, right? I mean, you look, what, look what you let us. Look what you've done to us. Where have you taken us? It was better to be with the Egyptians. And the children of Israel said to them, Oh, that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. And we sat by the pots of meat. Ooh, that lamb stew. Get you going a little bit for after the meeting. And when we ate bread to the full, for you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Come on, they've just been freed, right? They've been freed. They saw the parting of the Red Sea. They experienced all the plagues, right? And here they are. They're still complaining. How could you complain when you've seen all these things? And I'd say, and you may look at it and go, what's wrong with them? How could they possibly have seen these manifestations of God's power and his presence and his glory? How could they ever have complained? And I would say to us today, we experience miracles all the time. We experience miracles. You may say, I've never experienced a miracle. No, 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 no. You have. I just don't think that you're being honest. And we have experienced them and we're the same way and we can forget. Maybe you had a wayward kid. Maybe your marriage was on the rocks. Maybe you, you got that job and you're like, man, I, I can't believe I wasn't supposed to get this job. And you experienced a real miracle, but you forget. I forget. We forget all the time. And then we grumble and we complain over and over. God, where are you in this life? Where are you in this world? How come you're not looking out for me? How come you're not making all of my dreams come true? So we just continue. God hears the grumbling again and again. And he's gracious. And what does he do? He sends manna from heaven. He sends manna. You know what manna actually means? What is it? The street name, what it is. Right? So he sends manna from heaven. And they have the manna. They're eating there. But that's not good enough. They don't like that. I love what Eugene Peterson, how he puts it. This is in the, uh, the message version of the Bible. This is what he says in Numbers. He says, the riffraff, don't you love that? The riffraff among the people had a craving and soon they had the people of Israel whining. Why can't we have meat? We ate fish in Egypt and got it free to say nothing of, oh, the cucumbers and the melons, the leeks are good too, oh, and onions and garlic, but nothing tastes good out here. All we get is manna, manna, manna. I'm sick of manna. Manna God, manna Kari. Right. The sick of the manna is only so many things you, you know what manna really was? Manna was basically honey that was on a cracker. Is there, come on, I'm, I'm doing a really good job this morning of getting you ready for Thanksgiving for the food you're going to eat. Do you notice that? Food everywhere. It's all over the place today. Gosh, just wanted to pat myself on the back for that. There was actually a study that was done a couple of years ago. Did you know that grumbling is contagious? Did you know that? How many of you knew that? Yeah, some of you are like, yeah, yeah. All right, how about this? <clears throat> they did a study a couple years ago, and they had two people come into a room. For five minutes, they sat across from each other. They were not allowed to say anything to each other. <clears throat> then they left the room. The one per if somebody was depressed, the other person was significantly more depressed just by sitting in a room. Nobody said anything for those five minutes. Significantly more depressed. Isn't that crazy? How many of you right now want to change your seat? Anybody want to move? 
you're married, do not raise your hand or do not move. That will not bode well for you as you leave this place. <clears throat> but it's so true. And here they are. What are they basically saying? They're dismissing all that God has given them. They're saying, what's on the menu? What's on the menu? I don't like what's on the menu. I don't want this. I want something else. I'm sick of the manna. Come on, God. Can't you give us something else? For crying out loud, they were in slavery. They forget you were in slavery. And now you're out of it and you're in the wilderness and you're complaining. Oh gosh, they are no different than us. I was thinking about it too. This is, this is probably weird for you, but this is how my mind was thinking about it during the week. <clears throat> I was like, what if I could teleport one of those like Egyptian, uh, Israelites? What if I could teleport them to like the plane that I was at over the weekend, last weekend? And I could bring one of these dudes on the plane. Hey, how's it going, man? How you doing? Where, where am I? What is this? What is this thing? And here, he hears me complaining about Wi-Fi. Oh, so you don't have instant access to all communication and everything that is going on in the world? Do you lose that for a couple hours? Yeah, that's really bad. Did I ever tell you about my story? Really? You want to hear about my story? You're complaining about this? And I'm thinking about it. I'm like, yeah, yeah. If I sat down, I was like, uh, so I'm having an imaginary conversation. Some of you are worried about me. So I'm having like an imaginary like conversation. What would I say to somebody? Thinking about their life and what they were living in. I'm like, their plight. What would I, what would I say? Crazy. And then I thought about it. I'm like, man, I have a, a wife at home. I have two kids. How great life is. I live in one of the most beautiful places on the planet. I'm in the air. I mean, come on, really, I'm 3,000 miles flying like a bird. I'm able to eat, drink, and read my Kindle. And to read is like one of the most important things for me. I'm sitting there and how comfortable we are. And here I am complaining. Are you kidding me? We have so much to be thankful for. I love what John Orberg said this once, and I, I thought it was great. He said, if there's one verse that's not in the Bible, but should be, it would be this. Suck it up, saith the Lord. <clears throat> Isn't that good? I thought that was cute. You know, there's something about groaning that is, it goes deep to the core of who we are. It's so God-centered. And that's why, did you know in the Psalms, the number one, the, the most Psalms that we see, this type of Psalm, is the Psalm of Lament. And you see over and over, you see, that's what I love. I love to sit down with David. And I love to hear him just pour his heart out to God. And whatever, it's, it, it could be the grievous sins that he committed. It could be he's wayward from God. Whatever has happened, he groans to God. He pours out his heart. And those are the Psalms that I really get because they're raw. They're unadulterated. They're, they're just, they're in their purest form. He cries out. They do. The psalmists cry out over and over again. I want to be somebody, I don't know about you, but I said, I want to be somebody that groans more. I want to be groaning more with God. I want to be on my knees more groaning and talking about things, not just talking to other people about what's going on. I want to talk, God, I want to talk face to face with you about what's going on. And I'm not going to try to edit. I'm not getting the white out. I'm not pulling white out. out there. I'm just going to tell you exactly what's going on inside of my heart. How come my prayers so often are edited? How come so many times I sanitize them and I say what I, I, Lord, this is what I, this is what I think I'm supposed to pray. I've been a Christian for how many years? I've been a preacher for how many years? And I still find myself praying prayers that are edited. I'm still hiding from myself and I hide from the God that made me, that knows everything. 
Man, I want to be somebody that groans more about what's really going on, the anger. I had some good groaning this week, man. Am I preaching yet? Yeah, let's be real. This should be a place where groaning is accepted and groaning is encouraged. There is a lot of pain, but we're not telling people, we're not a church that says, hey, you know what, that happened, somebody passed, somebody died in your family, you lost your job, hey, suck it up. I said, what Berg said, that's a verse that he would have liked edit, you're like looking at me, something you're like, no, but you know what I mean? I really think that it's something that we should be groaning with people that groan. I know the Bible says, mourn with those who mourn, rejoice with those who rejoice, and I would say, groan with those who groan. That's what we're supposed to be is the body here. We're supposed to be a people that live that way. But you know what? When you, when you groan, when you groan, you get in touch with God on a level that, man, you wish people out there could really see and, and, and understand. But when we grumble, you know what it is C.S. Lewis says? It's endless autobiography. Love that. Endless autobiography. If you're taking notes, I mean, you can go look it up. Just type in C.S. Lewis, endless autobiography. You'll get the whole quote. But isn't that true? Because we're so self-centered and we're so concerned with ourselves all the time. You meet people, they're so self-centered and all they do is talk about themselves. They grumble and they grumble and they, I did it this week, I'm in the copy room with this lady and you know, come on, we all have people that we work with and you try to avoid, right? You know what I'm talking about? <clears throat> yeah, I'm being real, right? In the copy room, I see this person and I try to pretend like, oh, I gotta go get, I forgot to go get something, right? And she's like, catch, hey, Jim, Jim. I'm like, oh, they call me Jim, work, most people. They're like, who's Jim? That's me. <clears throat> so she gets me, right? And then it's like, I get sucked into this conversation. And it's like, I'm like, I feel like she's like shooting me. And like, like, I can't take it anymore. I'm like backing up and I'm hearing about vacations. I'm hearing about all the grandkids. And I'm just like, my head is like spinning right now. And then I'm like, what, do I, what am I in here for? Totally forgot what I had to do. How many of you know what I'm talking about? It's true. So grumbling can be so self-centered. We don't want to be people that have endless autobiography. And getting back to the story, right? I, I want, I, can, you, can, can you see, I want you to see what Moses says, right? So the children of Israel complaining, I want you to look at this prayer. It's one of my favorites, right? Look at this. He says, Moses heard the whining, all those families whining in front of their tents. God's anger blazed up. Moses saw that things were in a bad way. Moses said to God, why are you treating me this way? What did I ever do to deserve this? Did I conceive them? Was I their mother? So why dump the responsibility of this people on me? Why tell me to carry them around like a nursing mother? Carry them all the way to the land you promised to their ancestors? Oh, he's not done yet. He's just getting warmed up, right? Where am I supposed to get meat for all these people who are whining to me? Give us meat. We want meat. I can't do this by myself. It's too much. All these people, if this is how you intend to treat me, do me a favor and kill me. I've seen enough. I've had enough. Let me out of here. I didn't plan on reading it that way, but how could you not read? Like, we look at it and go, God, just can you kind of get me? Can you get me out of here? I don't really want to be here. Are you kidding me? This guy, Moses, is at the top of his lungs. I'm done. People are probably listening like, is Moses okay? Is the man of God okay? Do we have to worry about him? I heard him say that he's done. Right, come on, this is real. The thing that Moses gets right is he groans to God. He knows who to take his problem to. Do you know who to take your problem to? Who are you taking it to? 
Are you talking to your friends about it? Are you just sitting there and kind of stewing about it? There is a God that knows. There is a God that sees. There is a God that hears. And he's waiting for us to groan to him. Love it. It's it's one of my all-time favorite passages. We need to groan more. I love it. It, it, uh, Dallas Willard says this. He says, if we're filled with just as much negativity and pessimism and ingratitude, we can't try to suppress it by an act of will and just be happier. Did you hear what I said? That's important and that's foundational again to what we believe in this church, the leadership believes. You can't just say, hey, I'm going to make myself be happy. It's not going to work. But there are ways that we can actually do it. You know, we can actually practice this. You can practice the expression of gratitude. And I'm very thankful. Somebody I love again, I'm mentioning him again. John Ortberg taught me this years ago in one of his books. And I kind of adopted it in my life. At the end of every single day, and this would be good for you. Again, this is Thanksgiving. He, at the end of every day, he called it like reviewing the dailies. And he would write down five things that he was grateful for every single day. Five things. Why don't, I don't write them down every day, but when I'm going to work, I have a half an hour commute to work every day. I think about things. And at times when I leave and my kids, I'm frustrated or whatever's going on, work, whatever, I sit there and I'm like, what am I actually thinking? What are those things, God? You know what? I want to express gratitude to you. I want to be somebody that says, you know what? I may not feel this way, but there are things that I know that I'm grateful for in my life. You know, there's a story I, I, I want to tell about somebody. I have to get a drink. My voice is... My voice is McWeek. It's letting me down. It needs to step up. Again, I'm talking to myself. <clears throat> uh, there was an individual here some years ago. He passed. He's been on my heart all week and... Joanne and, and uh, Mary. How many of you remember Tom Esposito? You remember Tommy? Yeah. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah. Um, I, all I could find about Tom Esposito, we, we didn't have any pictures in the archives. I actually went to, after the 20s meeting on Friday night at Bob's house, Bob and I went to Crest Hollow, the um, convalescent home up the road there. And they were like, I, I guess it was like after hours and I, there was a phone there. And I called him like, hey, um... Is, uh, do you remember a Tom Esposito that was here? And the lady's like, what? Who are you? Like, wait for my supervisor, right? So she gets the supervisor, and she was not, I'm like, hey, I'm a pastor. Maybe that'll help. I'm a pastor. Uh, that didn't help either. We don't know a Tom Esposito. I don't know who you're talking about. Um, and I was like, all right, uh, thanks. Uh, have a nice day. And I hung up the phone. I got no information. I was trying to get a picture to show you what this guy looked like. Joanne and Mary, everybody was like, Bob, I asked a bunch of people. We don't have one. This is all that we... This, some of you never met this guy. Just give me a second, please. Indulge me a second. This is what Joanne sent this to me, and I saw it online, but I, I just kept it on my phone. He died eight years ago. It says, Tom, Thomas V. Esposito died on August 12th at the Crest Hollow Nursing Home in Middle Island. He was born on December 29th, 1958, in Brooklyn. Talks about his family, who he survived by. That's it. And what touched me all week was, we had that guy over for our thanks, uh, Thanksgiving one time. I know, Bob, you had him over, too. And he touched many lives in this place. And you're like, I don't know who this guy is. Man, this guy had multiple you know, ailments, maladies. He had kidney dialysis twice a week. Guy never, ever complained. I'd hang out with him sometimes. Really bright guy. He was so full of love. And he was somebody that just wasn't a complainer. And he had a thousand things to complain about. He had to wear this brace and he was a hugger, man. When this guy would come in and hug you, he was this little guy. You felt God. You knew God was there. Anytime, I know my father and all other people, anytime you gave him money, 
You know, anytime he gave him money, immediately the first thing he would do is tithe. The first thing the guy would do is tithe. A guy that doesn't have much, his family didn't even care about him. He's sitting in this place at Minalayo, no one cared about him. A guy that had a million things to complain about, but he was not a grumbler. He groaned to God about things, and there were things I have no idea what his private life was like with God, but I tell you what I saw in public, this man loved God. This man understood about Thanksgiving. He understood what it meant to live with an attitude that, you know what, one day God's coming back, but God cared about him and knew him, and he understood that, and he wanted others to feel that too. What about us? I'm in a little church right here. I'm telling a story about a guy. We went to his wake. There were other people from other churches. The guy made a difference in his life. And how many of us, come on, think about the things that we should be grateful for. We should have that, that we should walk in with thanksgiving. I woke up in my right mind today. Sometimes I don't, I'm not in my right mind, but I woke up today. I'm thinking I'm in my right mind. I'm walking around a house. I'm, I'm, I got to go to a gym and exercise. I have kids. I get to play with my kids. I get to eat. All things that we take advantage of, we just go, oh, whatever. Everybody kind of gets, not everybody gets to do this. And I think about the fact of what Christ did on the cross 2,000 years ago. Right? You think about that? And the resurrection, His resurrection life is in all of us. His resurrection life is in our bodies. His resurrection life is in my words as I speak right now. The power of the risen Lord and Savior. So much to be thankful for. Look, one of my favorite Psalms is Psalm 100. Again, I'm using Eugene Peterson's The Message. Look, I love this. I love a lot of stuff. On your feet now... Applaud God. Bring a gift of laughter. Did you hear that? Bring a gift of laughter that we are supposed to be a people that laugh. Where is our joy? When you go to work, where is your joy? I'm not saying it's fake again, but where is our joy as Christians? That should be something people look at us and go, why is that dude always happy? What do you have to be happy about, man? It's Monday. We're at work. We got to go through another week. I'll tell you why. I'm glad you asked. Ooh, okay. Sing yourselves into his presence. Did you get that? Not about a certain feeling. Not a feeling. Sing. It doesn't matter how you sing yourself into his presence. Know this. God is good. And God, God, he made us. We didn't make him. Where is people? His well-tended sheep. Enter with the password. Thank you. Make yourselves at home, talking praise, thank Him, worship Him. How many of you see that, the password? Did you see what, why I put this up? What is the password, thank you, that we're supposed to be a people that live with real thanksgiving in our hearts? And I'm not, we're, come on, you know what? Look at the beginning. On your feet now, applaud God. Why do we just applaud God when we, on Easter? We, yeah, we're an Easter people. When Easter Sunday's here, everybody's like, woo! Everybody's clapping. Everybody's so excited. He's saying right here on your feet now. I'm at, the, I'm at the football game last Sunday and I'm looking around for the limited time. My brother was the only one that was really into the game. One of the worst games I've ever seen in my entire life. Just throw that out there. I love you, man. Um, he dragged us down. So we're, whatever. So we're at the game, but I'm watching all these people and I'm going, look at these people. Look at these heathen. Look at them. They're jumping up and down, right? First down, right? Somebody takes a pigskin and they cross the line, right? I'll be at a game at 4 o'clock. I'm going to watch our team play, my high school. I'll be that guy too. Jumping, oh, touchdown, touchdown. 
Guy takes a stick and he hits a ball over a fence and we go crazy into a frenzy. How come when we come in church and we sing songs and we're worshiping and we're praising, how about we stand on our feet and worship him because we have so much to be thankful for. On your feet, applaud God. (laughs) Applaud him. Think about all the things that he's blessed you with. Think about it time and time again. All the things that you've applauded, applaud Him. The Maker, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end, the one, the only, the Holy God. God, you are holy. You are worthy of our praise. God, there is no one like you. I love it. I didn't, I didn't expect you to really do it, but I just got, got a little into it there. You're not around here. We're not a crazy people, but let me tell you something. Why are we so like, oh, we got to be so controlled and everything just has to be right. I can't, some, sometimes we just rip it and let it go. Like David, when his wife was looking at him, like, what's wrong with him? Why is he worshiping like that? Because he, he didn't know how else to act because he loved God so much. Where's that emotion in us? I ask you this week, when you're in your cars, you know, you can't literally stand up in your car, but you just start clapping and put some praise music on, put some worship music on. When you're in your home, put some music on. Peg and I had a situation again, it's just time and time again, the enemy tries to steal, kill and destroy. Lies from the pit of hell. But we just played the same, I played that song over and over and over and over again. I played the song, I speak truth. I take every thought captive unto the obedience of Jesus Christ. Right? Casting down imaginations. High things that try to exalt themselves above the knowledge of Christ. We cast them down. We take the blood over our minds. Oh, we're in a battle. We say it all the time. You are in a battle. When you leave this place, it's going to be a battle for your mind and for your life. And it's going to be a battle to give thanksgiving because you're going to want to grumble. When you wake up tomorrow, you're going to want to grumble. Not even tomorrow. The Jets are going to lose today at some point. You're going to want to grumble. I feel bad. I always rip on the Jets. But it's deserved. Um, fine. In, in, music team, you can come up. Somebody could maybe jump on that on the, uh, piano, please. Can I say a couple of words in closing? I promise. Give me five minutes and I'm done. I want to say a word to people in here who are really hurting. I can't, I can't, I can't leave the message. Uh, I can't leave this meeting without doing so. I know there are a number of people, and given the amount of people in this room, I know there are people in here that are, uh, that are in real pain right now. And maybe this is not an easy week for you. Thanksgiving, the holiday season, is really not easy for you. So I kind of just want to minister to you. So I ask, Lord, I just even ask right now in these last five minutes, Lord, I ask that you would just minister to people's hearts. Father, that you would do that, that you, you show people, Lord, how much you love and care for them. Father, you're the great physician, you're the great healer. Why can't we do that more? Why can't I just pray in the middle of the sermon? I just have to speak. And I, listen, I can get up here and, and, you know, just make it the way you want it. But I don't know. Why can't we do that? This is one of my favorite passages in Romans 8, 20 to 23. Paul says, For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. 
would know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Did you get that? You heard it. You know, like, you look outside of creation and how beautiful it is. All of creation groans and awaits the day that there will be a new heaven and a new earth. That everything that we see, and again, how beautiful it looks, it's nothing compared to how it will be. And the pain and suffering that we see in the world is not how things are supposed to be. It wasn't the way things were in the beginning when God created man and woman in the garden. And it's not how things are ultimately going to be at the end. It may look like that. We live in the middle. We live in the middle of trees. When you look at the tree of life in the beginning, and you look at the tree of life at the end, we live in the middle of the story. Friends, I'm here to tell you, There is coming a day all of creation waits and groans for the day of redemption. Creation groans. Human beings groan. Christians groan. Where is this idea that when you become a Christian, you're not going to have any hard things, you're not going to have difficult things happen to you. And some people become so disillusioned with Christianity, with God, because something happened to them, a tragic event. We are not exempt from things happening to us in our lives. We are not. We know that all things, Paul says, all, not some, not a few, but all things work together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Did you get that? All things in the totality of life and some things may not make sense. You may not understand them here. One day you will, but maybe you don't understand it here. But you know why I'm a Christian? One of the reasons why I'm a Christian, I'll tell you, because... There is a God that I know that groans. 2,000 years ago, we're, again, we're an Easter people. There was a God who groaned. You see, God was groaning in Jesus Christ on that cross. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? God was groaning in Jesus Christ on that cross taking all sin, all time, past, present, future, taking all of our hurt, taking all of our pain so that one day we, his bride, the church, would be able to rule and to reign with him forever and ever and there would be no more fear, there would be no more disease, there would be no more sin and every single tongue would confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. You see, we're Christians because God rose. Give me another God who groans. Give me another religion. Come on, we're doing an apologetic series in here soon. It's just so heavy on my heart. Come on, give me another religion where God groans like this. Where God says, you know what? I'm going to come down. I'm going to pay the price for everybody. It's crazy. It's crazy when you think about the logic behind it. It doesn't make any sense. wasn't, you know, wasn't affluent, didn't write any books, but he changed the face of the world. And next month, as we roll into Advent, we talk about this one who came born in a manger. Who does that? Who thinks of that kind of story?
as a deliverer of the message. Lord, I'm so thankful. Lord, you chose me. I didn't you? You chose me. You chose us, Lord. Father, I ask that you put us on our knees. Father, I ask that we would be grown as in this place. Father, I ask that we be people that understand what the password is. Even though we don't feel it sometimes, Lord, that we would just sing a tune. We would sing a song. We would worship you because you're King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That is the truth. That is the message. That is the gospel. Lord, I ask as we gather around Thanksgiving tables this week, Lord, please make us a Thanksgiving people. As Thanksgiving ends, as Christmas comes and Christmas ends, that we would walk into a new year as people, Lord, that want to continue to give thanks to you. A good God. here and there trying to find happiness trying to find success oh we have you have everything that we could ever possibly do Lord I ask that we would see first your kingdom and your right why don't we why don't we really take that for thanks for listening to City on a Hill's podcast For more resources, visit us at chccny.com.